This is the Biz News Podcast, one-on-one conversations with experts in business and personal development. Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, and many others made careers in television and movies thanks to their skills in kung fu. Craig Cook, though, is taking the martial art in a different direction, into business leadership. Mr. Cook, an entrepreneur who started a digital first company on the internet long before digital first, digital transformation, and other buzzwords of today were created, says leaders should follow the principles of Kung Fu to be more effective. He explains it in this edition of Biz News Interviews. Greg, Greg, you're accomplished in the art of Kung Fu as I understand it, and you've even entitled your new book Business Kung Fu. And as I understand it, some of the aspects of Kung Fu include uh, a range of values, including respect, discipline, compassion, humility. How on earth can you apply that to competitive businesses? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question, actually. Uh, Discipline is extremely important. Uh, There's a whole chapter on discipline in my book. And the way I look at discipline is a three-pronged approach. One, someone just needs to show up every day. It it sounds kind of odd, but I've seen it where sometimes people just don't even bother to show up. And you have to show up every day. So that's one part of discipline. And because another way to think about it, you have to put yourself in play on the field in order to compete. And if you're not showing up on the field, how can you compete? So you have to show up. Uh, Two, you need to be productive. So showing up every day, but then actually getting work done and being productive, producing something. And three, what you produce needs to be effective. You know, that there's actual value that you're producing. So discipline, that's the way I look at discipline, showing up, being productive, and being effective. And in martial arts, uh, that's a big aspect of discipline. You know, really making sure you show up to train, uh, making sure that you're productive in your training, that you're actually learning and practicing techniques properly, and that you've you've developed those to a degree that you can actually be effective. Now, Greg, you started your business from scratch. That's uh, admirable, and a lot of our viewers and listeners plan to do that or already have done that, but it's very hard to go from scratch to a business that has lasted a quarter century as yours uh, did. Uh, What are some of the challenges that you recollect as you look back upon it that you had to overcome and how'd you do it? Well, there's um, many, many challenges. And yeah, started from scratch, uh, myself and two friends, and we each uh, put in $1,300 and I had a computer. So uh, that's how we started. <laughs> and uh, resources were extremely limited. And, you know, that discipline of uh, what's a big thing, showing up every single day and grinding it out. And at the time, another challenge was um, it was 1996 and the Internet was new. And we had started actually a digital first company way back in the 20th century before that was even a term. <laughs> and we were actually doing digital transformation. Uh, before that was a term as well, way back then. And uh, the industry was so new, there wasn't a lot of people that really 
knew what it was. So there was a lot of education that we had to do. And uh, not a lot of people really understood um, what it was going to become. So it took a while to get traction. Uh, unlike perhaps you know some businesses or industry sectors that are more mature and people start from scratch and they already have a network and people that are familiar. This was like brand new and hardly anyone even knew about it. So that was a challenge. And the other challenge too is uh, being young and dumb and making tons of mistakes and stumbling along the way. Uh, another big challenge. Uh, there's just so uh, many hosts of challenges, but that was okay because uh, many mistakes were made, but that's how one can learn lessons that really stick with you over time because you make big mistakes like, oh, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> well, well, Craig, how was it working with partners? Tell us about that. Yeah, partnerships uh, are very dynamic. You know, it's humans are, uh, we're all interesting in our own uh, set of uh, personalities and patterns of behavior. And uh, there's there's pros and cons working with partners. Uh, there's definitely some great aspects to that. You know, the aspect of being able to share your excitement and uh, multiple minds working and problem solving and coming up with ideas and innovation. You know, that's great. Uh, the challenges come in where there's um, expectations uh, that aren't communicated and then assumptions can be made and then people get kind of um, uh, feeling a certain way and, and getting angry or mad or upset. And then there's communication problems and challenges. So there's a whole variety of things that can come up. But communication is super important. Uh, uh, with my partners, uh, yeah, there was there was good and, and challenging aspects to it. Actually, one of the partners, um, we had to actually um, have him exit after several years because it just wasn't working out. And that's a really hard thing to do. It's extremely tough, especially when you're friends. Um, so for people that are thinking about going into partnerships, what I would say is make sure that you have solid communication Make sure you set expectations written, you know, in, in an actual partnership agreement or whatever operating agreement that you're going to state if you're going to be like a LLC or, or an S Corp or whatever. Uh, those, that operating agreement really has to set all the expectation as what the roles and responsibilities and expectations are of everyone. And if those are not met, what happens? Did you have that when you started, or was that something that came along as the business progressed? Uh, we did actually create a general partnership agreement right out of the bat. Um, but it was it was pretty general. It didn't really uh, state what I just um, stated when I was really setting the expectations of the roles and what uh, would necessarily happen if those weren't met. Um, there's just more of um, kind of a boilerplate partnership agreement that we got from somewhere, but uh, really more thought should have went into it. How did you uh, resolve disputes between the partners? A communication. Um, that's the only way to do it is, is through uh, communication. Um, without that, things just blow up. They, they fester and then they blow up and and you know i'm i'm guilty of that uh, for sure you know uh, none of us are perfect and and we all have our moments and issues 
um, but really it's it's communication. Um, now with the partnership agreement that we had, there was actually um, uh, voting in it. So it did state if there was a, a dispute, um, how that was handled. And that was essentially based on your ownership shares. You know, we are equal thirds. So yeah, if there was a disagreement, well, then there, there was a vote. So yeah, just handle, handled that way. Um, afterwards, uh, when the one partner left and um, it was the two of us, then it was a 50-50. So that complicates things because it's 50-50. So that's when communication has to be um, really uh, pursued in a consistent manner. And even then there's, there's definitely challenges, but fortunately, um, we are pretty good about um, talking through issues and making decisions at the end of the day. Yeah, there could always be differences of opinion. Um, one, one kind of rule that we had, which was pretty interesting, uh, it worked pretty well. And kind of think of it um, in a mathematical terms, if you have a positive and a negative, and you, you multiply that, it always is a negative. So if one of us didn't want to do something, then we kind of just said, yeah, let's not do it. Um, so that was kind of a, a, a general rule that, um, you know, not perfect, but, but I think worked really well, actually. Well, it, it must have because your company went on for uh, more than two decades, right? Yes, um, actually started in 1996 and then sold it in 2019. And that was on the uh, 23rd year anniversary to the day. Of when we started so 23 years in we sold it and then then i stayed on as ceo for another three years um so 26 years and the company is still going still going strong like now i guess it's at uh, uh 28 years yeah 28 years yeah it's in its 28th year so yeah it's uh it's great it's great to have built something from scratch you know it's like a baby that is born and raising that baby into a child to its adolescent years to a full blown adult. And now it's out in the world doing its thing. You know, it's, it's cool. When, when did the business get to the point where it was actually supporting you uh, and all the partners, as opposed to the partners supporting the business? Yeah, that's a great question. So out of the gate, um, you know, like I said, we have some very limited resources. So I had to take on a variety of side projects. I did some um, consulting work for the National Center for American Indian Enterprise Development um, for a while. But in the consulting work that I did there, uh, it, it also helped because those clients uh, became clients of ours. Um, and then also I, I did uh, some teaching at a couple community colleges that were local. And the intent there was to hire um, the top two students that I came across, which I did, uh, one from each college, actually. Uh, so, yeah, there was a side job, but there was a benefit to the company. Uh, so anything that I did that was um, money that I had to make in order to live <laughs> was uh, benefiting the company. And it took, um, you know, probably around a good three years before there was a, a decent cash flow coming in where, um, you know, being able to fully pay for living expenses, you know, not making tons of money, but at least covering costs. And then um, 
not having to do as many of those side projects. Uh, and, and I worked all the time, you know. And uh, at the time, uh, the one partner had already left, I think, at that point. And the other partner, he is actually working full time. He went back to a full time job um, up until about five years in. And then I was like, hey, we, you know, you got to come back. It's now or never. Um, at that time, it, it, the company was making enough money to support us and then actually a couple of employees. And uh, from there, it was just still slow managed growth. And then you know, eventually we hit a nice growth stride and, and actually even got on the Inc. 5000 list, uh, fastest growing private companies. And we did that five years in a row, which only 7% of companies do that, actually. What, what was the most important thing? Was it developing your product or going out, knocking on doors, making phone calls, cold calling and selling the stuff? Mm -hmm. huh. Yeah, that's a great question. That's the, definitely the chicken and egg scenario. Yeah, so so a business needs sales to survive, you know, to bring in money. It's it's our, our food. <laughs> um, but you have to have the skills and 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 be able to pr produce something of value so people can buy something to begin with. So um, in starting the company skills were acquired to create something. What we, our first idea was creating this music website uh, to market independent music online. So people could discover independent artists, buy their, would listen to song samples and buy their CDs online through a secure server way back in 1996. Now, the idea before it's time, because there's no MP3s or broadband and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but we were able to produce something of value based on skills that were, were developed. And then we adapted and then started working for companies, but we had these skills and we were able to produce websites that were of value to someone. So you, you really have to be able to be able to produce something of value. You have to have those skills in place. Sure, you could go sell something before you um, maybe have it and then figure it out and create it, which I actually did a bunch of times. Uh, for example, we got into CD-ROM development and... Um, would handle the whole thing start to finish the programming the design even the the package design and the brokering the printing and brokering the cd replication well um in the programming on the cd I, I didn't know how to do that uh, but i, I uh, when i came across an opportunity i was co confident enough in my skills and there you know at some point in this conversation we should talk about my five elements of um, uh, entrepreneurial success that's in my book um in this example, I was confident enough that I knew based on the skills I had already acquired that I could figure out how to do it. So when I came across the opportunity, yeah, can, can you do this? Yeah, I can do it. Sold it. And then I was like, oh, now I got to figure out how to get this done. <laughs> so, you know, it kind of just depends on the situation. But the long answer to your question, I do feel you need to be able to produce something of value um that you know that you've actually done it and created that and, and if it's something new that you have the confidence based on your skill set that you can produce something of value and then get the sales it, it, for business success what are those basic skills that you're talking about so in my book i talk about uh, five elements of, of entrepreneurship and it's based on classic five element theory from the chinese culture right so that five element theory uh, permeates all aspects of, or many aspects of Chinese culture when it comes to martial arts, also medical systems, spiritual systems, 
music, you know, just a whole variety of things. Uh, those five elements, uh, that five element model uh, from the Chinese culture uh, is, is fire, earth, uh, water, metal, and uh, wood. Now, I, from, from my personal experience and uh, through observation of others, I determined there's actually five elements of entrepreneurship that lead to success. And that is passion. And then passion leads to discipline. Discipline leads to expertise. Expertise leads to confidence. And then finally, confidence leads to faith. And it's a cycle. It's a cycle, a generating cycle, it's called, that develops over time and builds in capacity. And so each one influences the next. However, uh, it could also reverse. You know, if you have an improper mindset, if you're not able to handle the challenges that come about and you start going the other direction, it can then start to diminish each element. And then there's interrelationships between the elements that have positive and negative uh, aspects as well, uh, which is all based on the five element theory. What uh, prompted you to write the book? You know, my very first passion in life was books. You know, when I was a, a little kid, before I could even read, I was always asking my mom to read to me. And then as soon as I could read, I always had a book in front of my face, just constantly, just read, 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 read. I just love to read. I uh, still do, although I don't have as much time these days. Um, and then when the business started, I was reading like crazy because I was, you know, I was a business major in, in college, uh, operations management and major and a minor in marketing. But all this computer stuff, I taught myself. And, um, and I had to read a lot in order to do that. Um, so I, I love to read. So about the time of when I was around 17, 18, I thought, oh, one day I really would like to write a book. I didn't know about what, but I figured um, it'd be a really neat thing to do because I love books so much. Um, then fast forward to around 2011, I started writing the book. I said, you know what, it's time to start that book that I've been wanting to write. And I came up with the concept business kung fu way back then it took me 12 years to get it done but finally i got it done um and yeah so it was really because books were my first passion and also to um what i really wanted to make sure i got it done because in this next chapter of life i really just want to share and help others as you as you look back do you regret uh, selling the company do you say hey maybe i should have stuck it out to make another 20 odd years. No, I'm, I'm very happy because um, 26 years is a good run. You know, I, if I equate each year to a mile, I ran a marathon. So I'm good. <laughs> I finished that race. I need to rest a bit. And uh, I, I'm just excited about starting a new chapter. It's a whole new challenge. It's very interesting. Um, I'm kind of having to relive my book actually but I, I i'm i'm in a much better position though too so i'm um, very blessed uh, very fortunate to have had a good run a lot of success and no no regrets at all uh, greg uh, what would you like to add that we haven't had a chance to talk about and it could be anything well a uh, huge lesson that i learned in my entrepreneurial journey is the importance of self-care I always want to share this um, for others because it's critically important. So before I started my company, I, I was 
in really great shape. I did a lot of strength training and then martial arts. And I, um, at 25, I was like in the best shape of my life. And then I started my company and I went obsessively all in um, to you know, work and get the, the company going and overcome challenges. But over time, I started working out less, you know, stopped practicing and, um, you know, would just a little bit here and there, but really it was just all consumed by work and sitting on your butt for hours after hours, day into the late night and getting very little sleep is really bad for you. <laughs> I would only get sometimes like three hours of sleep, but I could handle it back then. And, uh, you know, three to five hours, I would get a lot. And I was okay. I had the energy because of, of everything I had done up to that point. But it catches up to you. And by the time I was in my mid-30s, I was uh, definitely overweight. Um, and not huge, but definitely overweight. And just unhealthy. And um, fast forward to um, my early 40s, I was just so tired, foggy brain. I just wasn't able to... Um, go as long as I, I used to with work. You know, I'd be passing out at night on the couch, you know, which I never used to do that. I started to uh, take actions to improve my health. And then I got hit with a baseball bat when I actually went to get a blood panel from a doctor. I hadn't been to the doctor in probably like 10 years. And I found out that I was diagnosed with uh, diabetes. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and uh, I was like, all right, it's really time to get serious. So I didn't want to take any pharmaceutical medications. Um, and the doctor told me, oh, you can do that. You can, it's a lifestyle change. I said, all right, I want to do that. And I've, uh, today I've reversed it completely. Uh, but that's through uh, to make, making the time to uh, make self-care a priority. Um, so getting back into strength training, uh, proper uh, diet, nutrition, sleep, uh, back into martial arts, you know, all these things that have contributed to helping. Now I feel great. I, I feel like I did in my 20s, actually. And so in my book, I write about this, and I have a quote in there that says, um, uh, be of service to self so that you can be of service to others for a lifetime. Yeah, it's critically important. Now, one last question, and that is, where can people get more information? Do you have a website perhaps they could go to? Yes, it is the letter C and then squared spelled out. So C squared pro dot IO, C squared pro dot IO. And um, there's a section there on my book, too, that you can actually download the first chapter for free. Of course, you have to give me your, your email address. But hey, that's a small little thing to pay to get it, you know, free chapter so you can try it and see if you like it. And the book also is available on Amazon in paperback, hardcover, Kindle format. And you can also reach me on LinkedIn, uh, very simple, LinkedIn slash in slash Craig Cook. And I'm on other social channels, Craig Cook. I was early um, enough on there um, to, to get grab my name. So, but LinkedIn is a great spot for me and my website, you know, if people want to uh, learn more and, and get in touch with me. You've been listening to the Biz News Podcast. We welcome your input. Send your email to editor at biznews.com. 
That's B-I-Z-G-N-U-S dot com. Thanks for listening.